Hello and welcome to the Permanent Good Podcast, a podcast that's part movie club, part improv comedy. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. And doing an episode, hey, welcome to episode 101, and doing an episode after you like set all this time aside and made sure that like, hey, we might have a lot of new listeners, doing the episode after that, it has the same vibe of like being left by yourself uh, in your house for the first time. Like your parents are like, you can look after yourself. And you're like, um, should you be trusting me like this? I still have plenty of ideas to like mess this up. Yeah, uh, that was not the first analogy I came to. For me, it feels like I'm on the first time was a double date just to be like, hey, um, you're I'm friends with you. You're friends. Let's put you together and we'll go out together. You know, so it's a blind date for half the couple. Right. And we're going to be there just to make sure it goes okay. And this is our first real date with the audience no supervision and we're supposed to be like well this is what i'm like normally so hopefully i didn't give you a bad impression the first time so hopefully after this episode you'll still let us get to second base but we'll see golly bro i want to know the demographic of our audience that's like under 14 and is like what are they talking about hey if i just really like wrecked your world with that second base reference boy do i have a few websites that you should visit first <laughs> urbandictionary.com no if they're 14 probably shouldn't be going on urban dictionary now they probably have already but i'm not going to encourage it you know like i wouldn't that's not where i send people just because i know they might have been there before i'm not like you should you know i i like, am uh how do i put this an enabler so if there is a teenager that wants to make some reckless choices let's make some reckless choices baby now's the time to be alive um this seems like an epstein pitch if you're out here at a minor and you want to make some reckless choices come to me boy oh boy do i have some reckless choices for you to do Anyway, before I dig myself even deeper, do you want to talk about the movie? Let's talk about the movie, dude. We watched The Bridges of Madison County. It's supposed to be a very good movie. I had never... I've heard of it before, right? Which is why we picked it. It's it's a famous movie, but I didn't know anything about it. But it's a part of stages of life. We've reached middle age. This is our fourth episode in this theme. Um, so we've passed the early childhood parents and we're right before elderly right in the middle age crisis so here we are and we are going to be talking about this movie in depth with spoilers if you don't want to hear us talk about this movie at all you can skip to the next segment right here time code 32 minutes 15 seconds okay so this movie is directed by Clint Eastwood, starring Clint Eastwood and Meryl Streep. Yes, this is like, from what I was looking at, this looked like Clint Eastwood's first like successful directorial movie. He directed a bunch of stuff before this, but this is the movie where like that kind of gave him legitimacy as a director. Right, because he'd been in a bunch of movies as an actor before this, but obviously he wanted to branch out. That being said, he was still 64 when he made this movie. Yes. So like... He'd been in the business for a while. Meryl Streep was in her late 40s. Um, and the base, the story is uh, photographer Robert Kincaid, which is played by Clint Eastwood, um, gets lost while trying to photograph the bridges in this county um, for 
National Geographic, and he stumbles upon a house for um which is inhabited by Francesca Johnson, who is an Italian immigrant um, who lives with her family in a farm in rural Kansas. Where is this place? Iowa. Iowa. Rural Iowa. They um, So her husband and her two teenage children are off showing a cow at the state fair in Iowa. So she is left to her own devices for like four or five days. So when he stumbles up, her family left only a couple hours ago. And uh, troubles ensue. <laughs> Yeah, so like Alex said, Clint Eastwood rolls up. He's like, hey, I'm lost. Can you give me directions to these bridges? And Meryl Streep is like, I could, but none of the roads are marked. It'd be easier if I just went with you. So together they go to one of these bridges. And let me be clear. The only thing, the only standout feature of these bridges is that they're covered, right? They're walled and roofed. And for some reason, Robert Kincaid is like, I gotta get these pictures. Like he got sent here from the magazine on an assignment. To take pictures of these covered bridges. And so they show up at this covered bridge and, you know, they spend a few hours taking photos. And the entire time, he's flirting with her pretty hard. It is not subtle. He's like, where are you from in Italy? And she's like, a small town, you've never heard of it. And he goes, try me. She names a small town that I've never heard of. And he's like, oh, I've been there. I'm like, oh my gosh, here we go. And like names a specific cafe and what food they served and stuff like that. And, you know, throughout the rest of this encounter, uh, he picks flowers for her. And, and brushes like her that. leg, reaching for the glove compartment. And like surprise takes a picture of her when she was honest. Like it's it's the whole thing. Also, a weird storytelling thing is this is very Princess Bride. This came out in 95. I can't remember when Princess Bride came out, but it's told in a storytelling fashion. So we start in the 90s, like 94, 95. Uh, she has died. And in her will, uh, there are journals. She says she wants to be cremated. And they're like, what do you mean you want to be cremated? Dad had bought a plot for you. So we And she, they're finding this out from the lawyer. And then they see all her journals where she describes her long lost love, Robert Kincaid. And then we're flashback to the 60s where Meryl Streep is playing their mother when they were teenagers. So we already know that a relationship is going to happen because they're reading all her journals where she goes in detail what happened the four or five days that they were gone at the state fair. So like we know it's going to escalate the whole time. We're just waiting for it to happen. Which I think is this movie's biggest folly because we know something is going to happen, but it still takes an hour for it to happen. It's a lot of flirting. It's a lot of will they, won't they. It's a lot of, is this when they're going to kiss? Nope. Is this when they're going to kiss? Nope. It's it's weird. It, It is the definition of a slow burn romance movie. And this movie showed me and taught me I don't like slow burn romance movies. It's so dialogue heavy and the scenes are long. Long. So after they take their pictures, um, they go back to the house and Meryl Streep is like, would you like to come inside for some iced tea or whatever? They have some iced tea and she's like, do you want to stay for dinner? And and the dinner scene itself, I don't know if it is, but it feels like it's 20 minutes of them just sitting at a table talking about normal things for, again, 20 minutes. 
Yeah, it was it was weird. And another weird thing is like the whole time it's happening, you're like, this feels wrong. Like you shouldn't be doing this. Like, why are you taking a car ride by yourself with a stranger you met literally five minutes ago? Why are you inviting him in your house when you're alone? Why are you offering for him to stay to dinner? Like, all this is like, well, not we only we knew you were going to have an affair before, but now we're like, well, it's not like you were putting up a fight, you know? Like, he didn't have to work very hard. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I think that was kind of this movie has a problem that I have with other movies, which is like. I don't know who I'm supposed to root for. Like, am I supposed to encourage this affair that I'm watching unfold? Yeah, I was actively like, I know this is supposed to be romantic, but I can't get over the fact that she's cheating on her husband, who, by the way, she says is a good guy. Like, there's nothing wrong with him. And who we see is a good guy. Yeah. And her kids are sweet kids. And she's contemplating because obviously like through like the sexual tension or whatever, they end up hooking up. And then there's a question of like, will you run away with me? And it, we'll get more into it, but that, it, we all knew where it was going. Right. And she honestly considers leaving her family after being married to this guy for like 20 years, immigrating to the U.S. and having a 16-year-old and 17-year-old, she really thinks about, should I just dip to hang out and live with this guy who I've known for four days? Yeah, and she thinks about this for like two days. It is a several-day thought topic. Um, And so we get introduced to this character who takes a little bit of time to understand why she's there. She could have been cut very easily of, um, I forget the character's name exactly, but the um it they're in a small town and she enters this diner and everyone is, that's talking hushes looks at her she's very clearly um an outcast in this town and we learn it's because she also had an affair and ended up leaving her husband for the guy that she had an affair with. And she kind of becomes this beacon of what could be for right. uh, Francesca's character. And later on, she does not end up going with Robert. She stays with her family. Which we knew was going to happen because... The whole movie is from the point of view of her kids who have known who never them, knew about this guy who never knew about this guy. So like it's a cool device that they're using. It just doesn't work for this movie because we know everything that is going to happen except for exactly how it unfolded. And she talks about how um, this woman, I think her name, I, I forget her name. I really do. Um, I can throw some out if it's going to ring any bells. No, uh, I think it's Lucy. I think it's okay. Lucy. Sure. Why not? Um, where she's like, I, she became a good friend of mine. And even though I didn't tell her about Robert for a very long time, I was still able to like grieve losing him around her because I knew she would understand. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Like you said, it is very difficult to co-sign this movie when you understand how much she is like leaving and she has this monologue towards the end right when um francesca and robert are genuinely considering do we run away together she has this monologue where it's like i've been a housewife for 20 years people don't ask me if i'm okay people don't People aren't curious about me. I feel like I haven't lived in so long. My life is nothing but my devotion to my family. I have not felt 
youthful energy in years and I finally feel it again because of you. And I understand that it's supposed to be like the plight of housewives and I get it. If all you do is spend time at home, that can be very draining on your identity and your emotion and your emotional state. But it just kind of sounded like she needed a hobby. Yeah, it was one of those things I'm like, oh, it's like one of those things being like, I need something exciting to do in my life. So I'm going to run away and start a new family. Like, or I don't know, skydive, drive your car fast, (laughs) get a dog, make some friends, have a party. Like, it seemed so extreme. Like, I'll just start my life over and never talk to these people again. Because she was going to leave before they came home. They were going to come back to an empty house. Yeah. And also, because their life was so good, they would have no idea where they went. She would have been a missing person. Yeah. It would have been traumatizing. And the whole time we're watching, we're like, I honestly was like, what does she see in him? Ignoring the age gap, which is notable, like 18, like 16 years. years. Yeah, it's a lot. Ignoring that, I'm hearing him talk. I'm like, okay, he is well-traveled. He's well-cultured. And he seems like a nice, respectful guy. That's it, bro. He's not smooth. He's He just seems nice. And I think that's another thing is they don't really have a lot of lifelong uh, chemistry together where sure when he's actively courting her i get it right he's Mm -hmm. flirting with you he's being nice i see it but then they have this conversation where uh francesca francesca asks him have you been with a lot of other women and he's like well i travel the world of course i have and it's fine in that moment but then when they're talking about if they should run away together, she kind of brings that up like it's dirt on him. Like, like, oh, so now you're just going to leave and I'm going to be like one of these other girls that you just sleep with and run away with? And he is like actively trying to calm her down. Like, no, that is, I didn't say that. You said that. What are you talking Yo, about? He's like, also, and- I was as honest as I possibly could be. And I asked for your consent multiple times. What more did you, like, what's new? What new information do you have in the past 24 hours that changes things? So I just didn't think they had a lot of chemistry together. They had a lot of chemistry together for like, you know, a weekend hookup. But if they were just going to fight like this all the time, I'm like, hey, maybe don't. Maybe don't. Dude, I was on board for this movie for the first hour. The last hour is uncomfortable. And I can tell you exactly where that happened. There's a scene where he's in the shower, gets out of the shower, and she goes in the bathtub. And then she's saying, I can't believe he was in here naked just moments ago. Yes. In this exact spot. This water touched him. And she like touches the water to her lips. I'm like, what are you, some like horny teenager? What is it this? It really does feel like that. This It really does. Mental gymnastics to... Pull out some weird sensuality out of something that's so benign is ridiculous, bro. Uh, And then they finally decide we're not going to run away together. And the family comes back. You know, Robert has left the house. Robert comes back. Or the family comes back. Robert leaves the house. Not in that order, regardless. Right. Uh, They go... The family goes into town to pick up like groceries and whatnot. And when they're getting back in the truck, Robert is on the street. And 
obviously the husband who has never doesn't even know who this guy is pays him no mind and Meryl Streep is in the passenger seat of the car just crying because she knows that she can't talk to him she can't look at him like she just has to let him go and the husband who I'm gonna say goes above and beyond for the expectations of a 1960s husband looks at her and goes with full like earnest hey what's wrong and she brushes him off nothing he goes seriously if something is wrong like we can talk about it like do you like is something on your mind let's have a heart to heart and again brushes him off and i'm like all right i don't know what you want anymore he is yeah. he is s- s- trying so hard this, this guy is on you. did nothing wrong this was a good husband and she messed up bro and somehow there's an audience out there who's like i understand you and that was true love and romance and i'm like no that was a mistake bro that was a mistake that should not have happened and we through this we see i think there is a scene that kind of justifies a little bit of it but not enough for the whole movie where uh the son and the daughter are reading these letters right in the movie's present day and after they're done reading the letters the son it kind of has this epiphany where he goes back to his wife and he's like am i enough for you Am I doing enough? What more can I be doing? And he's like, I don't want our marriage to be like my parents' marriage. I don't want you to feel like you have to find comfort in somebody else. So, Which, by the way, is the wrong freaking way to look at it. It, it, it is If the someone r- cheats, it is not your fault. It is not your fault. Unless you were like straight up abusive, then it's really not your fault. Because that person needs to communicate if they need more from you. And if they communicate with you and you still didn't change and then they cheat on you, still not your fault, bro. Because we agreed that when we got married, we're going to follow these rules. And if we don't want to follow these rules anymore, we'll get a divorce. It's not one of those like, I don't like you right now, so I'll just cheat. Because you sh- at that point, you're what, what are you doing? So when he goes, is there any more I can do? I'm like, that's fine. But don't be doing that because she might cheat on you. Because she cheats on you, that means she's got her own thing going on. So I like I didn't feel sympathy sympathy for Mel Streep at all. Cause I'm thinking, yeah, this is on you. Your husband did nothing wrong, and the fact that he, thank God, he died not knowing, because that would have broken his heart for sure. Yeah. And there's another part of me that resents her for taking this to the grave and having emotion, because it was it feels like an emotional affair because she thought about him every day for the rest of her life. But it was also a physical affair because they banged like five times. (laughs) Yeah. And the kids took it way too well in general, because let's be clear. The husband died like 10 years before Meryl Streep's character dies. Right. And so she rewrites her will. The husband bought plots of land for both of them. Which is why the son was so upset in the first place. Like she wants to get cremated and have her ashes thrown over a covered bridge. He goes, what? Maybe she was unwell because dad had planned this out for years. And she's just like, nah. And yeah, and so she rewrites her will to be like, hey, actually, I want to be cremated and thrown over the bridge where Robert and I like first hung out. Because right. And Robert when he got died, cremated. he got cremated and did the same thing. So they want, she wants to be like, I was with my husband in this life. I'm going to go be with him in my next life. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? 
And like, I understand they had a legal obligation to do it because that was what, that's what was in the will. Yeah. But watching them do it, I felt like you didn't deserve this, Francesca. Like what's going, you knew this guy for four days. Whack, you bro. didn't whack like, like they like they didn't even continue in like, like it's not like they wrote each other letters while they, they might have they might have but if they did the movie didn't explore that very well right regardless the movie made it clear that they were not intertwined in life after these four days it was so, just emotion longing for this person so and 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 there are even points where Sorry, I'm I was already in a bad mood when we started recording and I hate this movie. So now we're really unlocking anger crap. Let's do it, bro. <laughs> she she even acknowledges there are parts in the journal and there are parts in the conversations with Robert where she recognizes several times, even if we run away together, when we are together, it will not feel as good as we feel right now. It is th- the reason we feel so good is the the tabooness of it all the feeling of doing something wrong and like just the fact that it's different and once it stops being different i'm not gonna like it anymore and you know what she still changes her will for him there's whack and here's another thing with infidelity you can still have a great marriage when one person cheats Trust gets destroyed, but you can build it. Like marriages have been and will continue to be salvageable when one person cheats. But here's how it works. When you find out there's a lot of repentance, it's one of those, I am sorry, please forgive me. I made a mistake. And then the other person gets to decide whether or not this is something they can look past or if there's something they can't. And even if they still care about you, they're like, I I will resent you and I can't forgive this. So I think it's okay to go our separate ways. She did not give her husband that opportunity. He didn't get to decide whether or not, you know, he gets to forgive her or if it's worth it anymore. She took that away from him and said, I'm going to manipulate you into thinking I'm still in love with you and I'm not thinking about anybody else. But truly, my life is now revolving around what I could have had. And don't get me wrong. Clint Eastwood ain't out of the woods. You suck too. All right. You're just not the main character of this movie. You're not the married one. It's, You're the enabler. It's bad because there is, I never dislike the affair partner as much as I do the person who's married, unless they're obviously, all, they're also married. My biggest thing is one of you made the agreement not to do this. The other person is just a bad guy, you know, like, yeah, technically you're not playing by the same rules. But as a society, we've kind of agreed, hey, this is bad news. You know, it's one of those things that like, yeah, it might not be illegal and you didn't break any promises, but like you could still lose a few friends. Yeah, man, that's not cool. So like in the whole thing, that's just romanticized that this is something that she gave up to have a family. I'm like, no, you're an adult. You're 45, 46, late, I think more late 40s in this movie. He is also a full fledged adult retiree age and you're still deciding that oh we can't help ourselves no you're adults take responsibility for your actions and that just didn't happen and the fact that they kept this to themselves until they died 
and they didn't have the freaking balls to tell their spouse or for her to tell her spouse or her kids till after she was already dead and didn't have to deal with the consequences is the most cowardice thing ever, bro. And here's the thing. I looked past that for the first hour of the movie. Yeah. And then it gets to a point where they're like, she doesn't, she like doesn't want to see her husband. She's like, I have to do it for my kids. I have to do it for my family because they wouldn't understand. And I'm like, do you even love this guy? Like, what's going on? Like, I've ended up feeling, I like, I pitied her family. I'm like, there's nothing you can do. Like, you don't have any of the info I have right now. Now, I understand that I'm going to take a little bit of a pivot here. Um, Meryl Streep's accent went in and out a lot in this movie. Oh, yeah. We didn't tell the audience. She's American, but she has an Italian accent the entire movie. I, there were definitely some parts where I did not hear it. <laughs> um, I, I give think her the benefit I of the w- doubt because she, what, I don't know. Does it say when she left Italy? Yeah, that's what I'm saying is like, I was going to say the exact same thing of like, you um, have been in America for 20 years. Your accent is going to fluctuate a little bit. Um, but there are definitely some times where it is very strong. And sometimes where I'm like, oh, that's just Meryl Streep. Yeah, it felt weird. Granted, let me tell you, the acting for Meryl Streep, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Clint Eastwood just felt like Clint Eastwood. Yeah. This is probably the most vulnerable I've seen him be. But that's not saying much because he's like a grizzled dude in everything else. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. It just felt. Yeah. Felt it's kind of hard to talk about that. There's not a lot to talk about the acting because there are two characters. Um, can we talk about how a four day love affair took up three whole journals? Hey, Francesca, how big are you writing? No, uh, here's what I think. I think she wrote those journals a long time ago because the detail is crazy, crazy. It's nuts. It doesn't happen very much, but there's like two or three parts where the story's interrupted to flashback to the nineties to her kids reading. And you hear her list, like say a sentence or two. And I'm like, she put that in the journal. Hey man, this is weird. You wrote this for your kids and this feels gross. Yeah, it's like in How I Met Your Mother when they cut back to the kids and you suddenly realize that they've been hearing about all of Ted's sexploits for the last, you know, four seasons. In detail. And it's it's assumed that everything we're seeing is in the journal. Yeah. So what the heck, Meryl? Hey, this isn't cool, bro. Keep some of this to yourself. You've been keeping a lot of this stuff to yourself your entire life. You know, you just needed to go a little bit longer. This is uncomfortable. So wrapping it up. I understand. I am not. I am so far removed from the demographic of this movie. Who is the demographic for this movie? I think it's, I think it is, you know, 40 year old housewives, um, 40 year old Midwest housewives specifically. Um, Dude, it's got a 7.6 rating out of 10 on IMDb. Yeah, correct. I don't know what, it, I don't know what happened. I'm going to read um, some of the reviews, bro. I just want to get more angry. So, like I said, I understand. There, I am so not the demographic for this movie. That being said, this movie was not only boring, it was infuriating. And the only thing that could have made this movie worse is if it was 20 minutes longer and had bad audio. So, the only thing that this movie gets is, like, technical achievements. And when I mean technical achievements, I mean the movie worked. I hit play and it streamed. The costumes and the set design were legit. Like, um, I knew what was happening. This movie scored very high among females and 
at least a point lower um, among males. So yeah, because IMDb breaks down these stats. It breaks down you know the the man and woman general ratings. And if you look at the scores, you know the highest ratings are um, yeah women in the their thirties to forties. Yep. Um, and, and so I, oh I don't want to. Oh my gosh! Like, I'm just gonna read the titles of the reviews because I'm angry. Nine out of ten. There won't be a dry eye in the house. <laughs> I mean, what? A mature, believable, and truly moving love story. Love with the proper stranger, 10 out of 10. Such an improvement to the story, 10 out of 10. While the family was at the fair. I mean, what kind of heading is that? 9 out of 10. Surprisingly sensitive film that Eastwood does well to keep away from the usual sentimental cliches of a weepy genre. This is gross, bro. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Here's the thing. I want to give these people a benefit of the doubt. I bet there's a lot of empathy for this movie. One of those like I wouldn't do that, but I can I can understand why you would, and I can feel for you because these are real emotions. It's like watching like middle schoolers who are dating each other and they break up, and like one of them has like can't come to school because they're crying. I'm like I understand why you're upset. I know this is nonsense, (laughs) and I know that you probably haven't even kissed this person. You probably held hands, hugged, and you if you played rocket football or middle school football, you probably let them wear your jersey a couple times but like we all know this isn't real but i understand that the emotions you're feeling are real to you and i i'm gonna give the people the benefit of the doubt that maybe that's what they felt for francesca like yeah you made a wrong decision but i understand why you made that and maybe that made this movie better however i'm not gonna cut her any slack and i'm not gonna cut this movie any slack because it was slow the scenes were long the dialogue was boring clint eastwood was unbelievable. It doesn't make sense why she would be interested in them. Um, her acting was legit, but the character was unlike unlikable. The weird thing is, is like the two people we were trapped with for this movie weren't charismatic or charming. Like I didn't see it. A lot. I think a lot of times for me, um, a person becomes lovable when I love them. Like there's a couple times. I mean, there's a couple times where my empathy will stretch to be like that person's not my type but i can see why you would like them but i think overall it's one of those things that the it's easier for the audience to relate with you if they feel the same way and i looked at both of them like oh this doesn't make sense and i think that's how i have to i'm gonna end it like right there craig what did you think final thoughts and rating uh like i said i think we kind of covered how i felt about the movie if you don't know how i feel then this may come (laughs) as a shock to you um yeah i think this movie runs alex am i about to give my lowest rating on the podcast okay i'll your current lowest rating right now i'm i'm gonna have to go back is the terror i think it's it's still the terror at at like 3.5 i think okay i'm going back to the, the terror you gave a three flat three Okay. Um, oh, this, oh, no. <laughs> this is my streetcar named Desire. This is a two and a half. Holy crap, dude. When I said that the only thing that this movie had going for it was the fact that it worked, I mean that. And, like, it's just sitting through it was awful. I watched the second half with my mom. She didn't watch the first half, but she didn't need to. She caught on pretty quick. And the entire time, she's like, why are we rooting for these guys? Yeah, it feels wrong. 
That's one of those things. The whole time you're thinking, ah, this shouldn't be happening. So I would be willing to watch this movie again with a crowd that does. I would have to watch it with someone that does like this movie and have them give me their commentary. Yeah, but I think it'd be hard for us to keep quiet and be like, what are you talking about? Are you serious? I'd, like, I'd be too argumentative. I think I have a very strong opinion on this. But I think I What's have a strong rating? opinion now reflecting than I did watch the movie. Like, I didn't like the movie, but I definitely feel more passionately about it now. I will say my honest rating is a four and a half. I'm not going to watch it again. I wouldn't recommend it to people, but I don't regret watching it. I feel like I... I earned I I learned something about the early 90s film and I don't know I'm I'm really just like saying that trauma wasn't for nothing like sure, I guess at the yeah. moment I'm a better person because of it but I think I think it's a four and a half for me Okay um real quick before we wrap it up do you want me to tell you the tagline for this movie <laughs> Yeah bro send it The human heart has a way of making itself large again even after it's been broken into a million pieces Broken by who? Yourself? You broke your own heart. I don't know what that means. Oh, I bet you this tagline is like the end of the movie where they had to say goodbye. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it's talking about. We're going to have a tagline that's not relevant for 95% of this movie. All right, let's just move on and call Golly, it a day. Holy dude. On to the improv segment. All right, moving on to our improv segment. This is one called Plea Bargain. The way this works is one of us is a criminal in a sentencing hearing and the other person is the sentencing judge. It is up to the person that is the criminal to try to uh, make the crime sound not as bad as it is and try to get a lesser sentence. Yeah, often it's uh, it's pretty difficult. because It's, it's usually... pretty difficult. <laughs> It's usually pretty heinous. All right. it's, it's not just like tax evasion or something. It's usually you got you got some uh, some depth in these crimes. Alex, do you want to be the criminal or the sentencing judge? Um, I'll be the sentencing judge first. All right. What is my crime? Um, unfortunately for you, you were caught embezzling money from a children's hospital. And because of that, many of these children could not receive the radiation and chemotherapy treatments. Okay, okay. So, starting off hot. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, okay, okay. Here, So, here's the thing. I understand that what I did sounds bad. Right. What you don't take into consideration is those kids were jerks. All those kids were jerks. Sir, um... You are aware that all of our defendants are under the age of 12. Yeah, uh, prime age for jerkitude. Um, And quite frankly, I think that one's personality is developed before 12. Actually, I think a child's personality is developed by the age of six. So, you know, if you're over six and you're a jerk, you're a jerk for the rest of your life. And quite frankly, I think that I'm doing humanity a service by making sure that they face life with uh, all the cards that they were naturally given. Okay. Um, The prosecution has pulled your financials. Um, I'm sure you received that subpoena earlier. And it seems that Uh you have spent 95% of that money in strip clubs and on prescriptions. Okay, well, those prescriptions are legit. You can ask my doctor about that, all right? I, I I have not... filled out a prescription that I did not earn under God's honest light. Okay. 
So okay. the fact that you're bringing that up is some sort of like a malicious intent. Have you spent money on prescriptions? Have Sir, you spent money on prescriptions? Um, I actually have pretty good insurance, so I have a very small copay. Um, and I think I'm not even close to my deductible. But don't you have insurance? Like, why are you Do spending two hundred thousand hey. dollars? It's a it's a measure. It's a significant amount. It's in the hundreds of okay. thousands of dollars. Okay, let's take a step back for a second. I am embezzling from a children's hospital. Right. Do you think that a person that does what I do has insurance? Well, you work okay. at a children's hospital. It would make sense that they have a pretty robust benefits program. They That's are a hospital. That's what you think. Right. Have you watched Grey's Anatomy? Those people are struggling. You know, uh, Meredith had to live with four roommates for like six seasons. Are you entering specific episodes of Grey's Anatomy into evidence? No, I'm entering specific seasons of Grey's Anatomy into evidence. All right. And if I remember correctly, that means everybody must watch the first six seasons of Grey's Anatomy. And I have six seasons worth of time to prepare a better defense. Am I correct? No, we'll just bring in an expert. We don't. I don't personally Ooh. watch all of these things. I'll just bring in a qualified expert. We should probably okay. have them by the end of the week. By the end of the... You know what? That's enough time. I can make it work. Well, we're not going to let you go. We're going to set your bail at $10 million. That's uh, a lot. Oh, whoa. Well, that, I didn't even steal that much. Well, you're a huge flight risk as you just... Flight risk. You explained that you needed the time, which we would classify as a flight risk. And we also are tripling the money you embezzled. So you're not going to hey, use embezzled money on to you. post bond. Joke's on you. I'm not a flight risk because I'm on the no-fly list. You know, flight risk It means was a small fleeing. incident in 2004, and I prefer not to get into it. I Okay, that's fine. What, whatever. Um, do you have anything else in your defense on maybe why you did this besides the fact that you believe there was a, a character flaw in some of these adolescents? Okay, I want to be clear. I did not take the money because they were jerks. I needed the money for a different reason, and I happened to be like, oh, if anyone's going to have money taken from them, it may as well be jerks, all right? Now, as you stated previously, a lot of my money did go to strip clubs, yes, but what you did not mention is that it was the investment of strip clubs. See, I'm here, uh, I want to make sure that, you know, all these people that work in strip clubs, they're pretty much into independent contractors all right um, i'm gonna and stop I you right make there sure um i want you to know that this isn't being televised and never have any of our court proceedings ever gone to shark tank so there's no reason to be pitching your business idea we're not going to see any of that here it's not it's not a business idea it's an ethical idea where we look inside ourselves and we see that you know there are people that are working hard I'm trying to help these strippers unionize is what I'm trying to say and quite frankly that took a little bit more money than I thought it would so you figured the target demographic to take money from would be sick children I who think they the are hospital completely purely derives its income from donations I think that you are I think that these two groups of people are completely unconnected and you trying to draw an unjust through line is putting me in a worse light. I'm I'm going to have to call it here. Uh, your bail is set at that previous number. I believe it was $10 million. And uh, you said 8 million. You said 8 million. Well, you seem again, I'm going to go back to flight risk. 
I think you've made your situation worse because now I know you're an investor and you might raise the funds through your strip clubs. So we're going to raise it up to $10 million. Um, You will have zero conjugal visits, no visitors whatsoever, um, although you will be allowed a phone call once a day up to 15 minutes. Um, you're going to be here at County until you get moved to a further location and your court date will be in three months' time. Court adjourned. Wow. All, all right. That got a... Doesn't the sentencing hearing usually happen after the they are... Dis, you know what? It was not That's really sentencing. I didn't get to send you to prison or give you life or anything like that. It was more just to like see if I would let you go. So okay. I, I put a little spin on it. I didn't realize it until I was talking. Sure. But yeah, I guess um I let you plead your case and you, you didn't win, bro. Because uh, when in doubt, don't steal from minors. Especially sick ones. <laughs> um, what you got from me? What are, what are my crimes allegedly? Yeah. Um. You are. <sighs> you are brought to court for gross negligence nice. in an industrial construction zone. Okay. And you am were I the foreman. Arguing that I did it or that I did it and it wasn't that bad. I will let you decide. Okay. You were the foreman on a construction site and one of your workers uh, got hurt by an I-beam. Okay. Yeah. Easy day, bro. Easy day. Um, uh, for, for, foreman good, can you uh, please recount the incident from your point of view one more time? So I arrived at 7 o'clock like I do every morning. Um, I had a couple jobs. Uh, so a couple employees work overnight. We have a we have a rush job going on right now, but they're working perfectly within their 40 hours. I think I let them do 10 hours overtime because they got to make a little bit extra money in this economy. So I came in this morning, um, and one of them, as I was walking in, sustained an injury, uh, an injury as the crane was placing an I-beam. They got their hand caught in there, um, and it broke their hand. And then we immediately uh, let the crane operator know, move the I-beam. It looks like there's going to be some nerve damage, possibly loss of some fingers. Um, but this is a classic workers' comp case. I had just arrived on the scene. These were all workers uh, completing their shift. But he okay. went to the hospital immediately. We called 911. He was in an ambulance. And he do- he gets to retain his hand. He might just lose a few digits of nerve damage. Okay, okay. So you did say that you showed up at 7. Right. Um, I do have uh, security footage... However, saying that it was not seven in the morning, but rather seven at night. Right. Um, where were you, you know, in those last in those 12 hours that you apparently said that you were at the site? Oh, I think I don't know if I placed this clearly. I meant seven at night. I was showing okay, up okay. to cover for that later shift. Um, so all those guys who came and worked the regular day shift, they were the ones who got injured. And I was starting with the night shift. I try to spend time with both crews because, as you might know. A lot of times night shift sends to slack off because no one's there. So I do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with the day shift. Thursday, Friday, Saturday with the night shift. I take Sunday off. And this was the Friday with the night shift. So I was, I was coming into work ready to watch the, the night crew. And day crew was leaving as this incident happened. So probably just a misunderstanding and, with the schedule. And so who was... Uh... And who was in charge while you were gone? Um, I was doing turnover with the foreman in the shed when this incident happened. Uh, I think his name was Jonathan Haynes. You might see him as the foreman I was replacing on the site. Regardless of uh, whether or not you're right or wrong, I kind of just don't like you personally. So at the very least, I'm going to put you 60 days in the county jail, $15,000 fine. We'll reconvene then. Yeah. 
dude, I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. No God ifs, ands, or buts about it. We'll reconvene in two months' time. You know? Cox gun. It could I'm have ending been, this. It could have been worse. It could have been worse. Um, Not a great outcome, you know? I think I'll be able to keep my job, but 60 days is a long time, and $15,000 is a couple paychecks. So hopefully the union covers it. But uh, yeah. that's pretty rough. Pretty rough. But I'll take it. I'll take it. Could be worse. I think it could have been a lot worse, actually. All right, Alex, what is our middle segment? I'm bringing back a fan favorite, a co-host favorite. We're doing red flags, bro. All right. For all of you newcomers dipping in for episode 101, red flags is when we take an ideal scenario, imperfect in every way. We add steps to it that make it a little bit worse. Adds a red flag here, red flag there. And the red flags get worse and worse and worse. And we figure out where the co-host taps out. It goes, too many red flags. I can't go through. I don't care if it's the perfect thing. I'm done. And they, we have nine flags, and we can see if we can get them all the way to nine, and it's still worth the perfect scenario. Craig, are you ready? I am ready. Let's do this. We're starting with you get the same dream every night, but it's the perfect dream. You okay. crave it. You are ex- you're more excited to go to sleep than you are to wake up. You want to experience this. Red flag number one, you have to walk everywhere. That's fine, I guess. Yeah. Just no vehicles, no you know, bikes, cars. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. And in my dreams, you know, I, I could start a dream in a new location. So it's not right. like I'm starting every dream. It's not like your feet are going to hurt. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, it's just an inconvenience. Um, There's also a red flag, number two. There's a weird smell that you can't identify. I am a walking weird smell, so I think I'll be able to put up with it. Okay. Red flag, number three, you dream in black and white. Yeah, well... I'm already dreaming in half sight, so I guess black and white isn't too much more on top of that. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad. Red flag number four, your dream partner, who is obviously involved in your perfect dream, is in it every single time, but they never speak English and you can't understand them. Uh, I think I'll get over that. I think I'll be <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah, that's fair. Um, right, Stepping it up a little bit. Red flag number five, you get kicked in the balls anytime something cool or good happens to you. Isn't isn't that the point of dreams, though, is to have cool and good stuff happen? Yeah, and this is your perfect dream, so it happens often. Gosh. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to say yes just to see what the next one is. Okay. Red flag number six. You're deaf, so you have heightened other senses, which might make the ball kicking a little bit worse. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say... In a perfect dream, there are accommodations to this somehow. Yeah. So I'm going to let this slide. Yeah. Everyone might know sign language, all that stuff. Like, you'll be fine. Uh, red flag number seven. Okay. You're a fugitive from the law and you're paranoid the whole time. This is where we get into a little bit of trouble. I'm going to say as long as I under I, I think that I'm as long as I understand that it's a dream, I'm willing to let some of this stuff like go. If I have to be, you know, the Harrison Ford movie, The Fugitive, then so be it. He has some fun in that movie. Okay, I don't know if you ever make it made it to nine, but Red Flag 8 is your immediate family gets killed in front of you at the beginning of every dream. Oh, that one's rough. I have to imagine I'd get desensitized to it eventually. Well, but these dreams like, feel real when you're in them. They have to. But eventually it gets to a point where it's like, do I get so desensitized to my family's death that when it happens in real life, I kind of don't care? <laughs> I've seen you all die in every way possible every night. I just show up to like 
<laughs> my family's funeral half in the bag not be not grief not you know coping with grief but just so done with it ready to get this party over with I mean, that's um, one way to look at it <laughs> i'm gonna say gosh do you want a quick summary say... of what you've said yes to already walking everywhere no, re- weird smell black black and white Part, dream partner you can't understand, kicked in the balls every time something good happens, you're deaf, you're fugitive and paranoid, and now your family is getting killed in front of you every time. The thing is, I feel like everything else I can work with, right? Normally when it comes to red flags, it's like the buildup of stuff that becomes right. problems. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm deaf. I can just close my eyes. Yeah. yeah I'm good. Don't open them, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. And the last one. This is your first time here. Let's see if you say yes and take take the prize. Y- you wake up from the pain in every dream because someone is torturing you until you die. Mm, that one I wouldn't be a fan of. I think that's. I and think that that's someone the dip is point. always someone close to you, and you feel betrayed. Yeah, I think that's the dipping point. Okay. I don't want to be tortured. Thank you very much. I'm good. <laughs> All right. Red flag scenario number two. You have a house chef that cooks your perfect dinner every night. So it could be a different meal, but it's always amazing. And you never have to prepare it yourself for the rest of your life. Red flag number one, you can only use a spoon. I'm okay with that. Okay. Red flag number two, you can only- Wait, can I use my hands? Yeah. Is it spoon or hand? Okay, cool. Yeah. Then yeah, I'm good. Um, The only drink you can have with your dinner is yellow Gatorade. Oh no, that's the worst one. Ah. Listen, I'll, quit on Red Flag too. I'll watch my parents get murdered, but I draw the line at Yellow Gatorade. Also, this is real life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so no water, Hold on. no milk. Wait, wait, you, time out. You can still okay. have breakfast and Hold lunch your, however you want. Okay. This is dinner every night. It's the he, only thing. I'm going to negotiate. I'm going to negotiate. All right. Sure. You can is have ice if you want. Ye- <laughs> is the Yellow Gatorade the only thing being provided? No. It's the only thing you can drink while having dinner. God, that's awful. Because if it was, because, you know, you, you know, you say Dream Chef, you know, he has all the ingredients. Yeah, I can just, show just, up. He's just pairing everything with Yellow Gatorade. I can show up on my own, you know. I guess you just show up hydrated. Be like, I drank a bunch before this. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. And here's the thing. I'm going to have my dinner at the dinner table, right? Yeah. <laughs> on the coffee table in the living room, I'm going to have, like, water. And then I'm going to excuse myself from dinner, pace to the living room, take a sip, walk back. Okay, if you want to. <laughs> Um, red yeah. flag number three, you have to eat alone. Um, I don't mind that, actually. Yeah. I really don't. I think it's just one of those things that, like, this is the best dinner you've ever had every time. You just can't share it with anybody. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, red flag number four, it's always just a little too spicy. Um, that's a bummer, but I'll get over it. It's also a bummer because uh, you can only wash it down with yellow Gatorade. <laughs> Gatorade. Yeah. God, I better get real comfortable with yellow Gatorade then. <laughs> All right. Red flag number five. Your background music for the evening is the SpongeBob SquarePants theme song on repeat. You can't have headphones. Ooh. You have to listen to it the whole time. It's just on repeat. Are you ready, kids? This is a tough one. This is a tough one. Um, Because it's only for like it's only However for like 15 takes or 20 dinner. minutes. Yeah. Well, it depends. If this is a super good dinner, you might. You can, I mean, you want to savor it. 
I think uh, I think this is the first one of the straws that are piling up. This so one, so I will hits pretty hard. The last four, yeah. Definitely so the I last think three. this, <laughs> I think this one's gonna be fine. We'll see what happens with the next one. The next one is you spill something hot on you every time. <laughs> I I think I'll live. I think I'll live. Okay. Unless, yeah, I think I'll let it go. The only <laughs> problem is like, like, man, I'm eating cereal, bro. Where did this come the, from? <laughs> the last thing I want, though, is like nerve damage on my lap. <laughs> Every you know night. what? Every I'll show night. up prepared for that. I can show up prepared for that. Okay, sure. Uh, number seven is you bite your tongue hard enough to draw blood. Every meal. Ah, uh, yeah. I think mm, I think I'll let it slide. This one's no good, but I'll. I think I'll be fine. All right. Eight is is a 50-50 shot that whatever you try, you're allergic to. You'll need an EpiPen and an ambulance. 50, oh 50 no, shot. that gets it, dude. That is so expensive. Like, forget the cost of a private chef. Like, I think an EpiPen is like a hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, not and then the, the ambulance, amb- ambulance is like four thousand dollars. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna pass on that one. <laughs> Goes yeah, broke that one. In a week. That one's gone. All what right. What was the last one? You're forced to pay the chef <laughs> with thirty teeth of homeless people for every meal. Would I have been allowed to like, hey man, I don't need you to cook for me tonight and nope. not have to pay him? Yeah. Nope. Just go yeah, to the no. and be like, I need to find 30 teeth from a homeless person. And you only have 32, and that's assuming they have all of them in the first place. You might need to collect it from a couple people. This is every day. Yeah, no thanks. That would every be day my would job. would just be a scavenger hunt. <laughs> no, that's awful. Zero out of 10. So you quit at seven, which is pretty good for you. Yeah. All right. So the last one, we're doing the best medical physician in the world. Guaranteed to keep you alive. They're confident with every surgery, every diagnosis. You're going to be fine. Um, They take care of, this is like movie star level. This is who everybody wants. Red flag number one, they only speak pig Latin. (laughs) Which is going to get awfully hard with some of these diagnoses that are also in regular Latin. Yes. Yeah. If you thought their handwriting was bad enough, you can barely understand them when they're talking. I mean, I have to imagine there's some sort of translator. No, no, there's not. What do you mean, no? How am you I supposed got... to communicate literally anything? Big Latin's not that hard to learn. You just got to hope they don't talk fast. You can't quit on one, bro. You'll be fine. This is the best in the world. <laughs> Dude, okay, fine. Just for the sake of, hey, hey, hold on. Can he, can they understand me? Yeah, perfectly fine. I'm not gonna force you to learn Pig Latin. Although that would be really funny. It just it couldn't be the first red flag. Then I think I'll be let like, it first go. First red flag. Learn a new language. I don't like it. Hey, hey, the straws are piling up awfully quickly on let this one. Let me tell one. you this one. This one is by far the worst. It escalates. Okay. This is a exponential curve. The second here's one. the thing. Hold on. Because my doctor right now, he's fine. The worst <laughs> part about him is he's like 30 minutes away. All right? So I'm not really looking to upgrade right now. Yeah, but it could, it could really help like 60s and up when you start having like heart disease, possible cancer okay, diagnosis. Okay, then I'll learn pig Latin in my retirement. Sure. Uh, red flag number two, they never use gloves. <laughs> Ever. Do they wash their hands? Yeah, they wash their hands. Then, yeah, fine, whatever. But the reasoning is they like the way it feels. So do I. Next. (laughs) Red flag number three is all their instruments smell like feces. They're clean, but they all smell like feces. I've smelt worse. Fine. that tongue depressor 
It smells like feces. What they're looking in your That's ear with. That's fine. Okay. Fine with you. Red flag number four to fill. Actually, yeah. Red flag number four to fill every prescription. The entire doctor's office has to come and pull one hair from your body. Say that one more time. To fill every one of your prescriptions. When you go in, you have to walk around the doctor's office and everyone has to pull one hair out of your body. Like leg, arms, head, beard. Just got to pull sure, one Sure. Fine. Okay. Uh, red flag number five. The doctor always thinks you're joking or pranking them. No. No. <laughs> this is why people get medical advocates for precisely this reason. I mean, like, dude, I'm telling you, I think I broke a bone. Yeah, sure you did. This, are you kidding me? So yeah, no, five, I huh? think. Hey, yeah. The fact that my doctor doesn't <laughs> believe me. Pretty big red flag. <laughs> kind of. It is one of two big red flags. All right. Well, we want to hear the rest of them. Yeah. Red flag number six is you have to get a colonoscopy before every appointment. That's fine. Whatever. Seven is they don't believe in any vaccinations whatsoever. Again. Okay. So now that we have checked off two of three big red flags, you may, you somehow found a third equally worse red flag. Um, Eight is every issue can be solved with a minor amputation. <sighs> okay. And nine is they don't believe patients experience pain. Yeah. All right. Cool. Awesome. So that was red flags. You're kind of all over the board. You made it to the very last one. You were kind one. of all over the board. <laughs> I don't blame know. me for this. <laughs> I'm just saying, kind of inconsistent over here. Um, audience, let us know where hey. you would have quit. Same dream every hey. night. In-house chef, best medical physician. Where would you have quit? God. <laughs> okay. Here's our one hit wonder. All right. This is called the chopping block. Perfect. All right? like I have cu- I have curated a list of shows that have been going on forever, nice. and it is up to us to decide if they deserve to remain on the air. All right, pretty simple. Okay, sweet. First classic, you know, The Simpsons. Right? People say The Simpsons have been bad for twenty years, and I'm not gonna say no to that. But does it deserve to, you know, be cut off the air? I think we should keep it on purely for prosperity's sake. I think it's I good. think so too. Just, it's better than having reruns. I think it's just one of those things are like, oh, I forgot that's still going. Let's go back and rewatch it. It's also a yeah, cartoon, I, voice actors, it's the a, whole nine. I think it's a bot. It it's America's show, you know? It, canceling it would be the start of the downfall of the Empire of America. As if it hadn't already started. Uh, The next is, I'm going to lump this into one category. All of the law and orders. Um, Actually, keep SVU because iced tea and burn everything else. Okay, because law and order SVU. I think SVU, never mind. I think we need to burn it all. Because SVU has only the most heinous crimes as they describe. And yeah. they have seasons of it. You don't need to see any more of these crimes. I think we just nixed There are the whole 500 thing. episodes of SVU. Yeah. And they're all heinous crimes. So I think that's all the crimes you need. If you go through the entire thing, that's hours and hours and hours and hours of television. Just start over. I'm sure you don't remember everything. Uh, Family Guy. Ooh. I okay. Think it's here's what enough. I'm going to say. I think so too. I say we keep Family Guy Ask American Dad. What are we doing? Yeah, 100%. And just allow Family Guy reruns. We don't need to, We don't need new stuff. Just run reruns. Um, believe it or not, 
there, there's more uh, cop procedurals on this list. What about the NCIS family okay. of uh, That shows? was my family's thing. Here's what we yes. do. Keep original NCIS, the one that's been going the longest. Um, LA, I think we keep because it was the first spinoff. Get rid of New Orleans and get rid of Hawaii. So you keep, get, we're cutting them in half. You get two of them. You get the DC one and the LA one. But New Orleans and Hawaii, you're out of here. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, here's a show that I genuinely did not know was still on the air. Um, mm-hmm. Blue Bloods. Whole end it, end it. Yeah. yeah, that was another one of my family's things. But like, you only need so many cop movies, and Blue Bloods was not that good. It's only there for like Donnie Wahlberg and Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck, yeah. Like those. Are the and only ones. if you need a new Tom Selleck show that bad, I don't know. Do anything else. <laughs> I'm it also sorry. feels weird that the entire family are cops and then there's like one DA and I'm like, I mean, and they're like covering for each other and asking for people. I'm like, it feels pretty toxic in here. And I know at the end we're like, all right, we're going to move past it and all that stuff. And it still feels weird. Like I get there's a heritage, but like it, it does feel weird. Just do the same thing, but with firemen. That feels a lot. That feels a lot safer of a program. Uh, Bob's Burgers. Burn it. No. Yeah. I can't get over the fact that the same voice actor for Archer is also Bob and Bob's Burgers. <laughs> I can't do it. So just end it. I can't. I literally can't watch the show because of it. So it, it can stop. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I understand that there needs to be a show that is kind of like the more family friendly family guy. Right. Family guy by design lot. is edgy. It's it's meant for, you know, the 12-year-old boy. Bob's Burgers, I feel like, had that, like, wholesome family content niche on lock in the yeah. early 2010s. That was 10 years ago. And I, I think, think we, we need like, to face the music. from Bob's Burgers just need to hop over to The Simpsons. They do, yes. And so if The Simpsons can kind of, like, steal some of those Bob's Burgers writers then I think then, boom, you've got what you need. 100%. And then we have the Chicago family of oh, shows. Oh, all of it is gone. All, all of, it. of it is gone. Cause you want to remind thing, our audience what Chicago shows there are? Yeah, Chicago Fire, Med, and PD, minimum. We got all of 911, and it can yeah. all go. I don't want any of it. We got enough of all of those things. If we want to keep anything, it's fire, but let me break it to you. Fire is not all that interesting. Like, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't play well for drama. Um, and I think we should just cut it. And mostly because yeah. that show is not very good. Just burn it all. We don't need any of that. Okay, here's the last one. And this one, I can go either way on. It's okay. the Goldbergs. I literally don't know anything about it. So you might need to breathe. Yeah, on this. so it's an ABC sitcom okay. that is like, it takes place. Let me see exactly when it takes place. Because it's a period piece. Um. It's, it's set a in the 80s. Piece, but it's, it's set been in the going. 80s. Okay. How long has it been going? Uh it'll be, uh it's 10th season. Starts next to, So starts are we leaving the 80s right? and going to the 90s? Yeah, I think so. But like I don't think it's crux is the fact that it is in the 80s. Like that 70s show, like it kind of wrote itself into a box where it's like, oh, the 70s are over. We got to we got to get out of here. So um, I wonder if like the first 3 seasons all take place in like 1 year or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I'm know not that familiar it, so with it. I guess I don't care. I'm okay with it because there needs to be a live action sitcom that's not Modern Family. Yeah. And it's also a period piece and it's not causing any controversy. Yeah. So you, Goldbergs, you can stay. Now, I did leave one out on purpose. Okay. 
what do we do with Grey's Anatomy? I've never been a fan. And I honestly don't get... Here's the thing. I've never been a fan, but I also don't know how people are still fans. Because how much of the original cast is still there? I think three or four. That's not very much. Okay, but here's the thing. I think that's why they stick around is if it was the same cast, then they'd be getting into the same problems. But since they are like they just announced they tweeted uh, the new cast, like the new interns for the next season. Um, so it's just it's weird that like I like Meredith Grey's kids could probably, you know, be on the show pretty soon. <laughs> I guess the um, smart move is because we got rid of Chicago Med. We need to leave at least one because, like, House is yeah. gone. The Good Doctor, I think that's gone. Um, a lot of these medical ones have gone by the wayside, so they need something, and it might as well be Grey's. But I don't, if as soon as anything remarkable comes out, like a new Scrubs or something new, a new house or whatever, then we can get rid of this. But it needs to be decent. And for right now, we don't have anything decent, so we can keep it. Have you looked at any of the interviews that um, Ellen Pompeo has done about Grey's Anatomy? No, I have not. Basically, from from what I've read, she has just become complacent in terms of Grey's Anatomy. She's like, I show up, I clock in, I do my job, I leave. It's and I'm like, you know though. what? Considering how much she gets paid, she's like one of the top paid people in television, period. Mm-hmm. So, so, like, I do not blame her. I got to find but out. But, yeah, that, uh, that was the chopping block. Uh, we So, basically, what we did was we axed most of television. Yeah, that's fine. Dude, to be honest, who cares, you know? Who cares? Uh, Pom- oh, Pompeo signed a new deal that paid her $575,000 per episode or about $20 million per season. <laughs> Golly. uh, She also received a seven-figure signing bonus and two back-end equity points, which made her an additional six to seven million dollars richer. Good for her. Why not? She is working that grind. Just freaking grind it out and just keep getting paid. Why not? Sure. Uh, Alex, what else have you been watching? I watched a lot, and all of it was on Amazon Prime. I watched Jack Reacher, season one, and I watched The Terminalist, season one. My parents freaking went nuts over Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher is way more approachable. So Jack Reacher has that like, so he's got that Sherlock Holmes type of thing where he can look at your boots and like your haircut and be like, oh, so you were in the military for seven years. You're probably a sergeant. Like it's, it's tricky because like, it's very easy to write it off of this would never happen, but you got to get to the point where like, oh, this is TV. Of course it would never happen. And it gets interesting in like the end of the first episode into the second and third episode. I think the third is when I I got invested. The first two were rough for me. Um, It's only eight seasons or eight episodes rather in this season. Hour long episodes. Um, The side characters are pretty entertaining. I liked them. Um, I think it's worth the watch. It's very, it's very easy to watch. I think I just got to get through the first two. Terminalist, on the other hand, was written by a Navy SEAL, and it's about a Navy SEAL. And this is almost too real for me to recommend it to people. If you have a love for war movies, then for sure watch it. There's no banter. There's no silly play among co-stars. None of that's there. It's played by Chris Pratt, who takes the role very seriously. Think like American Sniper with Bradley Cooper. The For eight hours. For eight episodes. It's intense. It's wild and it's very, it feels real. The military interaction feels real. Um, All the jargon is legit as far as I know. Um, 
And there's a lot of death, a lot of it. And they don't downplay it. Every person that dies, it feels like a person dies. These are not like side characters. You're like, it feels real. Um, So it's heavy and it's serious. I found it enjoyable and rewarding. Um, But I was not anticipating like how legit it was. And I had to take, I wasn't binging this. So do with that information what you will. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Those heavy military shows are, they... Oh, they are intense. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I'm like, it's not something I'm going to recommend. If it's something you're into, I'm sure you're going to find it. Um, but if it's not something you're interested in, don't do it because I watched it, you know? I saw Bullet Train in theaters. Uh, Brad Pitt, Aaron Taylor oh, Johnson, yeah. Joey King. So that movie is good. It's really good. The first act spends a lot of time setting stuff up. And everything they set up gets paid off. And even when you think it's done being paid off, they pay it off one more time. Oh, wow. Um, there are some characters that they introduce just to kill, which was kind of annoying. But the first act is fine. The first act is slow. But then in okay. the second act, when they start like fighting each other, it picks up. And nice. then the third act, ah, this is big. I'm going to say top 10%. Action movie third acts. Just like. Top 10. Wow. Oh, dude, that's what you want, though. Because rarely do third yeah. act action movies deliver. Mostly it's first and two, and then they're like, oh, by the third act. Oh, forgot. We were making a movie. It has to have a plot, so we're going to wrap it up. So I love so the good third act. The third act really delivered. Beautiful. And so if you're. So if the first and second act is kind of like meh, that's fine. The, but the third act, I think, really, really delivered. All the action scenes are that, you know, tight, quick modern action scene that we are used to these days and mm-hmm. i think they do it very well um they use the confined space of the bullet train very well they they play that up to their advantage um there are some character interactions th- that i didn't love there were some characters in general that i just didn't really care for but and in the at the end of the day, that's not really what I'm there for. Okay. Um, but as far as you know, like action movies go, you know, like probably like seven and a quarter, seven and a half, somewhere in not there. Bad. Lots of fun. Not bad. That's pretty yeah. sweet. Um, I watched Thirteen Lives, which is the new Amazon movie um, about the Thai uh, rescue, cave rescue of the thirteen people, the twelve kids in this and the soccer coach. It if you're not claustrophobic, you'll feel it. I'm not claustrophobic. But the whole point is that it's a cave rescue that's underwater. So they're scuba diving, trying to find these kids in narrow spaces, like shoulders width apart in tight tunnels. And it's a six hour dive one way. No, thanks. In I'm the good. Remember, this is in a cave too. So it's dark. It's dark. It's underwater. It's six hours underwater in confined spaces. I don't have claustrophobia and it stressed me out every time. And we know how it ends. This is based off a true story. This happened four years ago. We all remember it happening. And it is so stressful, dude. It is one of it is one of those things that like, oh, this is not marketed as a thriller. It's marketed as like a true story. It has thr- it thrilled me more than almost anything else. I had to pause it I'm more sorry. times than I had to pause quiet place or anything else because it's real and even though i knew what was happening or and i knew how it ended it stressed me out 
I'm I'm sorry. I'm not over the fact that like, yeah, this happened four years ago. Can you just imagine? So like, these kids are climbing out of their like they're climbing out of the caves. They get rescued. A lot of these guys are probably going to therapy now, and you know, they sit down to their first appointments. Like, hey, how do you feel? Also, would you like to sign your rights over for a movie, real quick? Just real quick. Yeah, it's it's just wild, dude. It's like it's an incredible movie. Probably top ten movies that came out this year for me. Maybe top five. Wow. Okay. Sure. That came out this year. It's phenomenal. And it's not like, it doesn't feel like they're adding anything or any drama. I think they took, if anything, they took stuff out. Cause I remember the whole Elon Musk controversy that was happening during this. Um, so that wasn't there, but it was like, just reminding myself that this happened in real life. This happened in real life. And there's like a lot of times where I'll watch a movie and be like, all right, well, I wouldn't do that. That was stupid. Why would they do that? The entire thing time I'm like, I wouldn't have the balls to get in the situation in the first place. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be too scared to do anything. I was, this movie had me on the edge of my seat, stressing out. Um, For me, it's like eight and a half, nine out of 10. I would Rock 100% on. recommend it, but let you know, like if you're claustrophobic, you can't watch this movie try i guess if you want to but also the problem starts 20 minutes in like the first 15 minutes of the boys getting stuck and the next two hours is trying to get them out so you're going to be just in it and if you're not claustrophobic then it's probably worth a watch but it's still probably going to stress you out but i was like losing it so 100 recommend it's called 13 lives it's on amazon prime so worth it it's amazing i loved it and i'm just not gonna have to watch it again very soon uh directed by parenthood director ron howard what a gangster, bro. What a <laughs> Talk gangster. about range. It was amazing. It was amazing. To the point where I forgot that the actors weren't the real people who did it. And that the kids who were getting saved weren't the real kids who got saved. Like, everyone's acting. But it felt so real, bro. It stressed me out. Yeah. The, even the way you're describing it is like, I'm sure this movie is good, but uh, too stressful for me. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's an amazing movie that was almost too hard to watch. I watched. 100% recommend the Sandman on Netflix, um, the adaptation of the comic series of the okay. same name. And this is the, I've watched a few Neil Gaiman stuff. I've read a few Neil Gaiman stuff. And what I'm learning is I think I just don't care for Neil Gaiman's. I don't love his stuff. I like it. Uh, whenever I sit down, I'm like, okay, time for a Neil Gaiman thing. I am going to like this. Can you give and, us a quick synopsis, like what the movie is or the show okay, is about? So um, the short version is um, the Sandman, Dream, Morpheus, all the same name or all the same guy, different names. Um, mm -hmm. He is the living entity that rules over the dream world and he gets kidnapped by a mortal man and is captured for a hundred years. And for the hundred years that he is gone, his kingdom kind of turns to turmoil and falls apart. So the majority of the show is him breaking free and like rebuilding his kingdom and reclaiming his tools and rounding up his loose subjects. Gotcha. Yeah, so it's very psychological. It's very in your mind. <clears throat> I think it's a really cool concept. I think some of the characters kind of got thrown around, and I didn't love all the characters. But as far as like plots and concepts go, the show is pretty cool. It's 10 episodes. None of them are longer than an hour. Um, you know, it's the same guy that did Good Omens, so very similar vibes but like more dreams and less demonic. Okay, sure. I don't know if this is my kind of thing, but it seems interesting. 
um, it's that fantasy mixed with modern reality that mm-hmm. uh, um, Neil Gaiman kind of specializes in. And I think I, I'd give the series overall like a seven out of ten. Like it's like it's okay, good. Sure. Um, I watch it in like three days, which is you know kind of fast for me. Dope, uh, do you have any other things that you want to hit? No, that's it for me. All right. Well, I have one more thing that I need to talk about. All right. I watched Repo, the genetic opera. <laughs> what? I haven't even heard of this, dude. Oh, I don't blame you. So it is a movie adaptation of a musical of the same name. And it has, uh, I think oh. his name is Niles from Buffy. It's got Alexa Pina Vega. Yeah. And here's the kicker. Paris Hilton. Oh, geez. Paris Hilton won multiple Razzies for this movie. <laughs> so here's the plot, right? Dude, yeah. In the future, organ transplants become privatized by, by a corporation called Geneco. And if you're late on your payments for said organs, a repo man will cut you open and take them out. Yo. Now, one of these repo men, the father of Alexa Pina Vega's character, um, is trying to find a cure for his daughter's blood disease that also killed her mother. <laughs> and... <laughs> And along that, and the B plot of the movie is the Geneco corporate head is dying and he needs to find an heir to the throne. And all of the kids are buffoons. So he doesn't want (laughs) to give it to any of them. So they're all trying to prove their worth while he's like, you guys suck. And that's kind of the short version of it. There's a lot that happens in 90 minutes. Now, let me get one thing very clear. This movie is bad. This movie is bad, (laughs) but it's one of those bad movies where like you're in it for so long. You're like, is this movie getting better or am I developing a media style Stockholm syndrome for this movie? Oh my gosh, dude. And, and, And let's be, let's remember this movie is called Repo the Genetic Opera. So all the dialogue is sung, which is not a deal breaker for me, except this music is not good. <laughs> it's, oh, no, dude. It feels like nobody wrote rhythm for the dialogue. It's just there's a dude on an electric guitar and someone else playing Guitar Hero drums. And the director was just kind of like, all right, go for it. And we only and we only have the budget for one shot. So make it good. Oh, my gosh, dude. It's like Rocky Horror if Rocky Horror was bad, bad, and not good, bad. Well, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. So it's only like 95 minutes, but it's 95 minutes I'm never getting back. <laughs> it's one of those movies. It's a four and a half. It's a four and a half because I don't regret watching it. I, it was not a waste of time, okay. but I am different walking away from this movie. <laughs> oh I am a different person. So it's honestly a movie where I'm like, you should get plastered and watch this movie. That is my recommendation. Any drinking games that you would suggest? Um, uh, let's see. Any time. Nah, man. It's just so buck wild. It is so buck wild. I I don't know if there's one consistent problem throughout the whole movie. They keep inventing new problems. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I'm definitely not going to watch it, but that's very interesting that you dedicated time to it. Yeah. Uh, That's all we have for this week. Uh, Next week, we are finishing up our circle of or stages of life theme, and we are wrapping it up with our retirement 
stage and we are watching The Bucket List. Morgan Freeman, Jack Nicholson. I think that's pretty much it. It's a certified banger, bro. It's been good for a long time. It's just like that elderly age has like a lot of mortality questions and stuff like that. So it's a great way to end this awesome thing we've had going. But that's next week. My name is Craig Wells, a.k.a. Permanent Handle. And I'm Alex Good, a.k.a. Alex Good. Have fun, be safe, and make good choices. And while you're at it, tell your mom I said hi. See you next week. Deuces.